To all who listen to this happy podcast, welcome to In Waltz Time with Craig Mahoney. That's me, your old pal Craigers. How are you? And we are back. <laughs> oh boy, we're back with uh, episode three of In Waltz Time. The long, long, long delayed. Man, it has taken a while to get here. Uh, and I apologize for those of you who listened to and um, inexplicably enjoyed the first two episodes that we did of this uh, podcast where we will be um, discussing and analyzing uh, what the siren is about outside my apartment right now. No, um, <laughs> the life, the work of Walt Disney, the studio, the people who work there uh, during his time, hence the punny title in Walt's time and the opening music, uh, Dream is Wish Your Heart Makes, in three-quarter time, it is a waltz. Um yeah, I apologize uh, for those of you who were looking forward to it. I know we got a few uh, uh, Substack subscriptions, um, but we're here. We're here now for good every week. Um, it's, it's, you're going to be having new episodes up every Wednesday, you know, maybe Wednesday night sometimes. I, I'm actually recording this on Wednesday night. Uh, so here's the deal. I think I mentioned this in the last couple podcasts. Well, it's it's been a long, it's been a long, strange year, man. Um, it's been weird, but, uh, I, I, the re- the reason I can get back to this now is because, um, unfortunately my beloved New York Yankees, uh, their season has ended unceremoniously and, uh, earlier than I wanted to or anticipated without even a world series appearance yet a world series, let alone a world series title. But, um, I was tending bar at this place uh, outside the stadium where I do some uh, Yankee artwork and I have a big old Yankee mural and I occasionally I'll get on the mic and do a little MCing for the fine, the good folk out there. And um, when they and it was it just wiped me out. It was so hard to keep up on and do anything else because I think I think I got this uh, this old long COVID <laughs> that they're talking about. I may have mentioned that on one of the previous episodes. I had COVID. Uh, Initially in early March, or no, not early March, late March 2020, and it knocked me out for like months, and it took a while for me to get even close to back to functioning again, and I'm still not fully functioning again. I had COVID again in May. I mean, everybody's going to get it probably once a year now. Um, so I would do uh, 5 to 8 to 10, 9, 10, whatever day homestands at Yankee Stadium, and I'm up there at the bar for like, you know, Anywhere between eight to like thirteen hour days, depending, and you know, including travel to and from where I'm living in Brooklyn. And uh, you know, when they were on the road, I I mostly slept and 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 drank occasionally. I drank, drank and slept. Uh, I was wiped, and it was really hard for me to get all my other projects up and running. But now, so there's good news and there's bad news, Craig. Whole Craigers. The bad news is your team lost to their hated rival, and ended their season early. The good news is you get back to go doing full-time what you uh, have always wanted to do, and hopefully we can make this work. Um, if you want this, if you're enjoying this, and why would you be enjoying this so far? I haven't even given you any real content other than excuse-making. But if you are enjoying this and the sound of the J or M train in the background, and why wouldn't you? Um and you want to hear more of it, and you want to make sure it's going to come to you on a regular, consistent basis, along with uh, you know, some regular um, Disney artwork that I'll be producing that I think you, you, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll enjoy. 
And if you want to keep that coming, uh, the best way to do it is to, to subscribe to the wonderful world of Craig's Substack over at craigmahoney.substack.com. And uh, I am very excited now that I get to live in my wonderful world now. I get to create my wonderful world, and I just get to draw and paint and talk to a microphone. Um, you know, uh, Ariel wanted to be part of your world. Aladdin wanted to uh, show Jasmine a whole new world. I just want my little world. I just want to live in my... And occasionally to visit Walt's world and land. Um, <laughs> that's it. This is what I... You know, um, well, it's not a Disney movie, but if you've seen... Uh, Citizen Kane, what was it about the Charles Foster Kane quote about Xanadu? Um, he was fed up with his world, so he decided to create one of his own. This is this is where I'm hiding, the wonderful world of Craig Mahoney. Uh, on craigmahoney.substack.com, you can become a paying subscriber in, for $5 a month or 50 bucks a year. And oh golly gosh, gee, wouldn't that help a lot? Or uh, you could go click through the links in the show notes. And visit uh, my online gallery shop over at Big Cartel and buy some art or prints. Or go to uh, my uh, tea Public shop and get some uh, clothing and or merch with some of my art and designs on it. And if you don't have uh, the extra dough to spare but you want to support anyway, you can always become a, uh, a free subscriber. You won't get some of the premium content. Actually, you won't get any of the premium content. And you won't be able to comment uh, either. But... Uh, you'll still get updated to all the new things. and oh, But the best thing is just to share. If you like what you're hearing, to share to your friends, to um, you know, pass it around. And, and the, you know, the more people who listen, the greater my chances are that some of them will throw a few bucks my way. So <laughs> please, please help out with that. And um, I got some really – I'm recording this a few days before Halloween, and I got something really, really cool that if you are a Disney fan, I think you will enjoy – um, that I was thinking of making a premium on the Substack, but now I'm, I'm going to put it up for free for everyone to enjoy. And I certainly do hope you enjoy that. Um, so the first two episodes, I barely remember what I said at this point. I basically laid down exactly uh, how I became a, uh, a fan of Disney and a fan of Walt, my history uh, with studying animation and as an artist, as an entertainer, working a little bit in broadcasting. Uh, I do some voiceover work now, although this year it's mostly been auditioning for <laughs> a lot of things. It's, you know, it's been, it's, it's, it's a sort of good and bad thing. Like I've reached, I've only been doing it for a few years and this year is the first year where I'm consistently auditioning for a lot of national, uh, nationally broadcast, uh, commercial stuff like big campaigns, but I have yet to book one. So it's like, Hey, at least I'm in the mix. I guess that's a little bit, you know, you know, better for my career, but Oh man, wouldn't it be great to uh, actually cash a paycheck off one of these uh, things here. So, <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's what I, 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 I laid down a little bit of my, uh, my history, my, and, and explain the, uh, the basis of this podcast, which is that we're just going to, it's not going to be a straight up as you may have already gathered. If, if this is the first episode you've listened to, uh, it's not going to be a straight up, you know, history podcast like some of the others that are out there it's going to be a lot me more it's uh you know we're going to treat it like live radio it's going to be a lot me just talking um and but also uh i'm sorry i'm trying to look up something while i'm talking here highly highly professional um <laughs> it's it's going to be a lot of discussion and analysis it's not just going to be me you know uh you know reading up on the history of snow white and the making of uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and writing an, uh, an essay about it. And then 
just basically doing a re- recording my, an audio version of that essay. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, there are some podcasts that do that and they do it quite well. Um, and I think there are, you know, you don't need another one. And also I'm still learning. I'm still getting into, I'm still a very, I'm an amateur Disney history enthusiast. I am not, I'm not a Disney historian. I am not an author. I'm not a writer or a blogger or a journalist or anything like that. So, um, but I do know enough where I feel I can, uh, you know, we can at least get into it a little bit and then I can, I can at least, uh, you know, comment and analyze and, so I'll be doing a little bit, a little bit of that here myself, and then having um, hopefully many of those authors and writers and podcasters on here to discuss uh, the various things that uh, you know that they they do and have written about, and to get in, to get into the the, the the nitty and the gritty of Walt and his life, and um, all of the wonderful wonderful things he created uh, that we all love. I'm assuming, otherwise, you know, why why would you still be listening to this? Nearly ten minutes in, doesn't doesn't make any sense. Might need a little bit of a therapy if you're still doing that. So, and as you can tell, I'm also I have a little bit of a maybe an odder, darker sense of humor than most <laughs> Super Disney fans. <laughs> so, this episode, since I am a little, I, I like I said, it was only about it was a few years ago that I started really getting back into Disney again and getting enthusiastic about after after a visit to. Uh, Orlando with my ex, I started really getting back into uh, into not just Disney, but Walt and his life and wanting to learn more about it. And, um, you know, only recently I decided to do this podcast because I think I've learned enough where I can talk about it and I know enough about animation in, in general and filmmaking and art whatsoever. Um, but I'm still, like I said, I'm still, I, I'm still learning and I'm still sort of, you know, getting into it. So this episode, what we're going to do is I'm just going to sort of uh, give you a little beginner's guide. If you, if you maybe, you know, if you're not somebody who's fully steeped in this stuff and you're looking for uh, recommendations on, um, you know, cool places to go to go learn more about, uh, about you know, the, the topics we'll be discussing on this podcast, there's some, there's some great things. Um the first two podcasts I'd have to recommend, uh, which were the first two that I really got into, and that kind of led me uh, down this path and into all the the various books and other websites and Instagram accounts and things that I follow now, are uh, Connecting with Walt and uh, Disney History Institute podcast. Disney, Hins- uh, Disney History Institute podcast is hosted by Tom James Pierce, who is a uh, Disney historian and writer. And both of these podcasts are in the mold of uh, what I spoke about earlier, that this podcast won't be. <laughs> in large part, because I don't, I don't even have notes in front of me now. Probably should, but um, not my thing. I'm, I'm, just, I'm a guy who just gets up on stage and grabs a mic and talks. Uh, I'm, not, I'm a talker, not a writer. I'm a... I'm a lover, not a fighter. Uh, anyway, um, Todd James Pierce is an author. And uh, yeah, so both of those podcasts are basically like audio essays. They're like listening to audio books of, you know, of, um, you know nonfiction where they talk about uh, various topics and go in depth every week into a different uh, topic about, you know, Walt and his life and his work. And again, the same subjects we'll be covering here. Um, so definitely more in depth, uh, more... Um, educational than this podcast is going to be. This is going to be a little looser. Hopefully, you know, a little more, uh, you know, just a whole different vibe we're going to have over here. But Todd James Pierce over the Disney History Institute and um, 
Michael Bowling is the historian over at uh, the Connecting with Walt, and they're both great beginner um, podcasts to listen to if you're if you're really, if you're looking to get into uh, if you're looking to find out more and more about this sort of thing. And you know, I think it'd be great to listen to uh, in addition to this. So definitely check those out as well as there's some, there's some really uh, there's some very very cool ones. Now I was just listening to an episode uh, before I started this when I was out walking the dog of the Skull Rock podcast, um, hosted by Al John Go and Dave Bossert, who uh, is another Disney historian and writer. And I want to get these guys on here, like I really do. And so I'm not just, but that's not why I'm mentioning their names. That's not why I'm name dropping them. But they that'll they cover a lot of the uh, old school stuff like that, like I said. But then a lot of um, newer things as well. There is the uh, Imagineering podcast with, I'm scrolling through my Spotify feed here, with uh, Matthew Krull. And, you know, as you can imagine, uh, it's more focused on the parks, so there's a lot more recent stuff there, a lot more Disney World, a lot more post-Walt things. Um, But there's some really cool stuff he does. He's a seems like the nicest guy in the world, honestly. (laughs) I think he's a former cast member, Matthew Krull. So I recommend that. What is there's the other is there one other that I, I might be missing here? Uh, Doom buggies, it's the season for it. Uh, if you want any history of the haunted mansion, that's a good podcast to check out. There's uh, ink and paint. <coughs> what the hell? <coughs> ink and paint. Um, <laughs> it's it's interesting. It's um, hosted by Daniel Lamon. He's an Australian. He is uh, a theater guy. And each episode is dedicated to um, strictly to a different uh, animated feature. So uh, they're now like well past you know Walt's life, but um, they they will go you know each each episode he'll go over the making of and the, the behind the scenes of each feature, and then what he'll have is someone on to sort of. Uh, discuss how they feel about it and it's sort of in a way that you know that we're going to do here about various things but he has a lot more of a um you know how do we deal with these things in this world it's a little listen if you're it's it might be a little social justice for some of you but um <laughs> but it's cool it's interesting uh and it's you know definitely a little more socio-political like looks at it through that lens especially through our current lens uh and you know through more but more of a left-leaning one i would say but um it's good, and I like it, and I think even if you don't necessarily agree with the politics, it's certainly worth checking out and uh, to get a different perspective on a lot of these things. And he does have like some interesting um, tidbits and facts in there. So th- those are pretty. There might be others. There's plenty about like the parks. I don't. I, I don't really know that there are many where they just get into just hey, we want to talk about like you know um, Walt and the nine old men and the silly symphonies and you know. The making of uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and all that. And uh, that's what I'm hoping I could at least add to the conversation here. Even if I'm not a... Even if I'm not, you know, a historian myself. So that's what we're... That's that's what we're hopefully going to do here. By the way, Disney History Institute also has a Facebook group uh, titled, appropriately enough, Disney History Institute that is uh, moderated by Paul F. Anderson, who is... Uh, and they have a website. You can go to Disney History Institute website where they, they have plenty of articles and stuff written there. Um, but this is a great because it's a group where you can join. And a lot of the, the people who uh, I hope to have on this podcast and people who you know really have studied and written about um, Walt 
We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll post v- some really cool stuff on there on a regular basis. So if you're not already a member, I highly recommend you do that. Uh, check out the Disney History Institute uh, website. And while we're on the topic of websites, uh, micechat.com. I, it's, it covers a whole host of things. But Jim Corcus is a, another Disney uh, historian and author who regularly posts regularly posts there. As well as on cartoonresearch.com. And if you are an animation fan... Um, Jerry Beck, who's an animation historian and author and has really done wonderful things for uh, the art of animation over the last 40 or so years. Um, he, This is his website. I believe, I don't know if he started it with anyone else. I believe it's just his. But he and Jim Corcus and a whole host of other people will uh, not only write about classic Disney shorts and animation on there, but a whole host of other great um, old just wonderful cartoons and animation. So uh, I highly recommend checking that out. Uh, oh, by the way, speaking of uh, classic animation, um, and we're you know we're in the holiday season, and uh, Jules Bass of Rankin Bass fame passed away today. And R.I.P. to uh, Jules, who I think um, you know might have been if you're listening, might have been many of ours uh, first exposure or foray into. Uh, into stop motion animation or maybe animation uh, entirely with, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, all those great old shorts, you know, uh, The Year Without a Santa Claus, so many, so many cool things. And uh, what was it? The, uh, it's the monster, is it the something monster party? The Mad Monster Party is the Halloween episode, the Halloween uh, special he did. As well as, um, you know, Rankin Bass, they did the original Hobbit uh, feature. And the Thundercats, which I think you can watch on Hulu right now. This is a great... Listen, if you're if you're a guy like me, and and I hope if you're listening to this podcast in some ways you are, and I hope for your health and your sanity and the overall stability of your life, you're not. But if you're a guy like me, <laughs> I hope you... Uh, this is a really cool time to be in animation fan. Yeah, I'm going to take a little a little a little detour here. Going a little tangent. Uh we'll get back to the Disney stuff in a second cuz I love that we live in a world now where on Disney Plus you can watch a lot of old shorts. The old classic shorts. Not nearly enough and we're going to get into that in a minute. But uh HBO Max you can watch all the old Looney Tunes. You can watch uh not all of them, but most of them. Most of the old Tom and Jerry's, a few of the Tex Avery's if you're looking for the Emma Jam Tex Avery's, they are in with the Tom and Jerry's. Uh, they used to have the old Popeye, the Max, Max Fleischer Popeye shorts on there too. They are no longer on there. They might be on Paramount Plus. I haven't checked, but so you can watch that. And also on HBO Max, if you're a fan of like Batman and and the Justice League and stuff like I am, they have all those cartoons on there, which you can watch as well as you know Huckleberry Hound and Yogi Bear and the old classic Flintstone and Jetsons and even Scooby Doo's. Uh, you know, of course, Disney, you have the old Disney uh, Afternoon cartoons on there. I've been rewatching Gargoyles recently and the Spirit of Halloween. And uh, man, it still holds up. It's great, great stuff. And on Tubi, you can, they have all the original G.I. Joe and Transformers on Amazon Prime. They have He-Man and Voltron on Hulu. They have Thundercats. Uh, they, I, I don't know who has the classic 1987 uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on there. Um I don't think that's streaming yet. I know Netflix has the more recent Nickelodeon ones. They have the 2012 CG, which is actually quite good. I liked it a lot. But if you if if you're a cartoon lover, like like a Gen X 
cartoon lover like me kind of came of age in that, you know, uh, animation renaissance that started in the mid 80s with Don Bluth and the American Tale and then, you know, the Disney uh, Saturday morning cartoons and Disney afternoon into the Little Mermaid and then Nicktoons and cartoon and Batman, the animated series and you know, the Warner Brothers cartoons and stuff. I went over this all in the last episode. I mean, it is, it's a, such a cool time now that you can just any day of the week. And I like Saturday mornings pouring myself a big old bowl of sugary cereal and doing my Saturday morning cartoons. And I'll just stream this stuff. I'll watch. Here's the one thing that I, if, that I would love, a request I would love to make of, of all the streaming services, especially those um, like HBO Max and Disney Plus that have a lot of different cartoon shorts and stuff. Um, do like YouTube does and allow us to make personal playlists or to, or to at least put things next in line in the queue. Cause how, cause that's the only thing you gotta, once the one DuckTales episode ends, if you want to, if you want to recreate like a Disney afternoon experience, you got to go back in there and you got to find like the tailspin episode you want to watch. Or even if you want to watch the, the various shorts and you just want to watch them in a row without having to constantly call a new one up every seven, eight minutes. You know, uh, especially with the Looney Tunes stuff, you know, or if you want to bounce around, you want to mix in Looney Tunes or Tom and Jerry. It would be really cool if somebody came up with some sort of hacker software where you could make playlists, where you could combine the streaming services, where it'll bounce around on your laptop. And, you know, you could watch a uh, an old Mickey Mouse cartoon followed by a, uh, a Wile Coyote, Coyote and uh, Roadrunner. That would be great. But anyway, it's a great time if you're if you're a, a Gen X uh, cartoon lover to be alive because you can have like the ultimate Saturday morning <laughs> every morning. It's it's wonderful. I love it. Uh, it's also you know it's it, it is amazing if you are a Disney enthusiast and you you know you you, you a admirer and lover of Walt himself as I am and all that old classic stuff. This is really aside from that stuff. It, it, there's there's so much out there now. Um, that 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 in the last 10 20 years um you know resources to learn more about this stuff in addition to podcasts and facebook groups and websites and blogs there are uh, youtube is a great resource uh you type in walt disney biography and all sorts of things come up um my favorite on there they actually you can get sort of a pirated copy of that walt disney the man behind the myth the one that was, I think it's uh, narrated by Dick Van Dyke and was produced by the Walt Disney uh, family. Um, it was on, I believe I originally saw it on Netflix. And I don't know why they can't get that onto Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Along with the dozens of other things, I don't know why they can't get onto Disney+. Plus, But they can't. Um, but yeah, you, you can see, uh, if you look for it on YouTube, you should be able to find it. There's another one independently produced called Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, The Futurism of Walt Disney uh, by CM Films. No, that's not me. Uh, Christian Moran or Mor- Moran. I think it's Christian Moran. Uh, he's an independent filmmaker, Disney fan. He's even, he even wears the Smoke Tree Ranch uh, p- uh, tie pin that Walt used to wear all the time uh, in his later years. You used to see him wearing it on TV. Uh, that, that's really cool, especially because it specifically takes a look um, it looks at it through the angle of Walt's, you know, I, yeah, Walt the, says the futurism as a futurist, but somebody um, interested in progress and technical innovation and a lot of just the, you know, the sort of advances he had to make uh, to get from one step of his career uh, to the to the other. You know, whether it was um, 
sound cartoons, color cartoons, you know, the making of the first feature, and then on into, um, you know, the, the, the parks and uh, the creation of audio animatronics and trying to make, you know, the the city of Epcot. It's, uh, it's very cool, very well done. It's about an hour, 40 minutes. There's all sorts of uh, great interviews on there. I think uh, Raleigh, you know, Imagineers, Raleigh Crump, Marty Sklar, I believe Bob Gurr is on there. The aforementioned Jim Corcus, I think, uh, pops up a few times. Um, it's really cool. I highly recommend that. Of all the uh, of all the things on YouTube, you can watch that would that would be if you're if you're you know listening to this podcast. I think you'll really really dig that. Um, there's also you know they got the Walt Disney World a dream come true. That's all right. Some of them are better than others, but it's kind of cool. The defunct land um, page is pretty cool. They go on. It's more about you know the the parks and the rides. They recently did. I watched the one they did about the World's Fair in 1964. Uh, you could tell they're while they might be fans of the Walt's Parks. The, the whoever's behind this, the one guy behind it, is not a fan of uh, Walt politically. And um, I, I, it's interesting. It's worth watching. The channel's worth watching overall about a whole bunch of uh, different rides. Um, I thought some of the things and how they presented the history of Epcot and especially the history of the World's Fair. I thought some of it was a little. I mean, it was definitely biased. Um, against Walt, I thought some of it was a little reductive. Uh, I, you know, but here I'm biased for Walt, so you know you're always going to get that. You know, um, I thought I did think parts of it were a little reductive. I think parts of it were a little misleading. Um, one or two things I wholly disagreed with, but overall, uh, I do believe the channel is worth watching if you're a fan of uh, Disney, especially the parks. Um, somebody's. Doing, I think somebody's doing a movie, a documentary about the World's Fair, the 1964 World's Fair, which is pretty cool. So that's the cool stuff you can watch on. Uh, well, not all the cool stuff, but that, that's that's my rec- my YouTube recommendations. Now let, let's get into my my bridge. Is it, I don't even know. <laughs> originally, I thought this was going to be a cool idea. It's like, all right, I'll just go over some of the things that I've been into. That I, and now it just feels like I'm I'm rattling off a list, like a, a library list, like a you know, it's the end of class, and I'm like here. Here's your here's your summer reading. Listen, I know you want to get out the door and you want to go uh, drinking and a necking in the woods, but uh, <laughs> here's here's your summer reading list, boys and girls. Now, for my money, listen. There's a lot of cool books. Uh, I'll tell you what the the ones that I've recently got and that sort of helped me get to this pandemic. First of all, I want to mention one uh, because when I initially uh, got sick. And was quarantining in this hotel that I ended up living in for like nine months. Um, the beginning of COVID, there were some really cool people on some of these Disney um, forums because I post. I didn't. Po- I wasn't posting like, "Hey, I'm sick and whatever," but I think I asked maybe for some recommendations of stuff to read or whatever. And there's one author, Alistair Dallas, who used to be an Imagineer and is an architect who wrote a uh, book called "Inventing Disneyland," which I have right here. Sitting on top of my Batman, the long Halloween graphic novel. Um, <laughs> it's from themeparkpress.com. It is a definitive history, but it's sort of, it's written like a novel. Like he kind of, it is thoroughly researched, but obviously like it's written, you know, um, as though you're, as a sort of omniscient, like sort of as you're there. And, um, you know, obviously part of it has to be a little imagined because, you know, you don't, you know, talking about you know, two guys as they. Well, well, let's let's just pick a random thing here. Um, you know, Walt hails Joe Fowler. How's it going? Okay, replies Fowler and Thomas, retelling. 
I took a look all around today and I think we'll make the opening all right. Just barely, but we'll make it. Walt mentions that they will fly a historical American flag with the appropriate number of stars over Frontierland. Um, yeah, so, the, you know, it's, it's, it's very historically uh, researched and I think, you know, fairly accurate. But obviously, um, in order to make it read like a narrative... Uh, some creative liberty was taken, but on the back it says, uh, Walt Disney was a busy man. Between feature films, both live and animated, a weekly hour-long television show, and the day-to-day -day operations of his studio, he had no time and even less money to invent and then build that strange thing he called the theme park. But he did. Meet the cadre of six men who imagined and described the specifics of Walt Disney's vision for a new kind of family entertainment park, the men of Wed Enterprises, who began the process of inventing Disneyland. Enter the bustling Disneyland plans room at Walt Disney's custom-designed studio. Disney drew upon the talents of tinkerers and hobbyists, artists, writers, engineers, architects, builders, and especially Hollywood art directors to realize his dream. See the site transformed from moonscape to wonderland, and struggle along with the park's management as they rush headlong toward an opening day that seems impossible to achieve. Based on years of original research and interviews, this is the true but unauthorized story, complete with vintage photos of just what it took to invent the happiest place on earth and make Walt Disney's dream come true. Uh, Alistair Dallas, the reason I wanted to really pump this up is because he, he was part of one of these groups and was really nice enough to just send me this free. Uh, he just mailed it. And it was uh, very sweet of him. And we have the same birthday, April 29th, by the way. So when that roll, when spring rolls around, be, be sure you get us something nice. But And as I said, he was an architect. So there's a lot of um, diagrams and sort of uh, layouts and blueprints and, and, and illustrations in here that, that he did himself to sort of explain how certain parts of this work. But it's really, it's really, really cool. Um and uh, I highly, I highly recommend it if you can get it. Inventing Disneyland uh, about the creation of the park by Alistair Dallas. And Alistair, if you're listening, thank you once again. And uh, you know, one of these Aprils, we'll have a, uh, we'll have a drink together, <laughs> a birthday drink. Um, some other cool books, and we'll get into the big, the my version of the big three biographies that I think you should read. Um, but recently, I just picked up. Uh, the J.B. Kaufman books, the huge coffee table books on the making of Pinocchio and uh, Snow White. And, uh, I'm going to bring them up here. Pinocchio, the making of the Disney epic. And um, the fairest one of all, the making of Walt Disney, Snow White, and the Seven Dwarves. They are um, they're expensive, especially the Snow White one. I had to get a used, a used copy. Hang on. <laughs> I had to get a used copy of it. And it's interesting because I don't know, um, because there's a, uh, there's an inscription on the inside. Happy 50, happy 51st anniversary, mom and dad, love Pollo or Rolo, I can't entirely tell. Um, I don't know what happened to mom and dad. Maybe they didn't enjoy the, I don't know how this ended up in my hands. <laughs> I bought it used. Uh, you have to get it used. They're expensive. The Snow White book. I, I I got the Pinocchio one new, but even that was still expensive. It was like $60. But, um, yeah, to Royal, Rolo or Polo or Poyo's parents or Palo, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> can't make the name out quite. But, um, well, 51 years. Hey, God bless you. And, uh, and I don't know. Um, I, I don't know what if they didn't like the book. <laughs> 
they're like, we have no, we listen, son, we took you, we took you there as a kid and you know, it was your favorite. So we took you a lot and that was a thing we had together, but we're not, we're not really that interested in, uh, learning all about like the, uh, the, the cut sequences of Snow White and what this in between tweener did and which, you know, which, uh, which, which Snow White scenes were animated by Ham Luskin, which were animated by Grim Natwick. But thank you. Thank you very much. No, we love it. We love it. We're just going to put it right over here and onto Amazon. I don't know what happened. Or maybe, listen, I hope they're still alive. Or, and I hope they're still married, too. I, I don't know. Again, I don't know how this ended up being a lovely anniversary. Because the book's not that old. It's not. What year was this? Let's see. Uh, shouldn't it say? $75 the cover. That's the, the retail price. Hang on. Shouldn't there be a copyright in here? That's supposed to be part of every book. Huh, interesting. Um, anyway. Here we go. 2012. Alright, it's 10 years old. So they beat, you know... If he bought this for them new, they'd be on their 61st anniversary. I don't know, you know, who knows? I don't, but anyway, I hope I hope they're doing well. But this is a great book. It's a great resource. <laughs> like I said, it's a little looser than your typical Disney history podcast. Uh, it's great. It's huge. The big problem with uh, a few of these 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 next few books, uh, some of them, is that they're uh, they're densely packed with information. And densely packed with beautiful behind-the-scenes pictures of drawings and, and you know, production art and stuff. Um, so, I don't... Uh, so, you know, you want it... It's great that it's nice and big so you can really pour over the artwork, right? And the behind-the-scenes photos and stuff. But to actually just sit and flip through it and try to read it, it's a little... Diff- you can't, like, read it in bed, you know? So, that you have to actually, like, sit at a desk... And read it. You can't just bring it on the bus or the subway. But um, it is a great history. Uh, J.B. Kaufman wrote this and the Pinocchio ones. And um, both are very cool in that they're they're both sort of uh, situated in the same way. In that they begin with sort of a background on the uh, the fairy tale itself, the story itself, uh, how you know its first iterations, and then its first you know adaptations into. Uh, Various book forms and movie form and movies and things like that, and, and then uh, and then goes on to, you know, how Walt first uh, decided he wanted to make it, and then obviously the um, pre-production and planning and brainstorming of the movie, then the making of the movie, and it takes you all through, you know, various writing and planning and production, the writing stage, and then the animation, and the and the art and the the voice acting and the music, and then takes you right through the release and how it was promoted. And even like how it lived on afterwards, how some of its characters maybe entered, uh, you know, how the dwarves were in a, uh, a couple of shorts for uh, wartime shorts for Canada about buying, I think, bonds or something. And, um, you know, how Jiminy Cricket and Figaro lived on in various shorts and things like that. And it's great. It, uh, they're both really, I mean, because these are two. And, and the two movies are kind of a piece, not just because they're the, the first two features. Um, but because they are they, they are the first two that have that real sort of European fairy tale quality 
Obviously, a lot of that is because of the, the work of uh, Gustav Tengren and Albert Herder, who were two of the sort of production artists, uh, background artists, uh, the character designers, who really, uh, who were uh, great, you know, European uh, illustrators, and who really sort of gave uh, both movies that sort of very uh, fairy tale European uh, storybook look. Um, and they're, I mean, it's just... They're both masterpieces, and they're both wonderful. And J.B. Kaufman on uh, those two books really, really uh, does get it and tell you tells you just about everything you need to know. And I will be rereading each of them as I prepare for upcoming episodes where we discuss um, both of those movies. Um, we're going to do one on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and we're going to do one on Pinocchio. And I'm going to, you know, that'll be one where I do, I'll actually write down some notes. And we'll, we'll get into some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. But then I'll tell you about little things that I notice and the things that I love about them so very, very much. Uh, speaking of those two movies, uh, I had the first, edi- the first edition, the first uh, volume, I should say, of They Drew As They Pleased. By Didier Ge- or Didier 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 Geets Gets I don't know D I I mean I apologize if I'm mispronouncing D I D I E R G H E Z the hidden art they drew as they pleased uh, the hidden art of Disney's golden age I have the first one the 1930s and it's interesting because each chapter uh, just focuses on a sort of different artist production artist and this first one has a chapter on Albert Herder a chapter on Gustav Tengren and then Ferdinand Horvath and Bianca. Maholi or Mahoy? I don't know. Um, I'm I'm brutalizing some names today. I apologize for all of that. Uh, I, I, I can't wait to get more of them. Um, there and he, he he's written some other books out there that you should definitely go uh, check out as well. But those those are the three recent purchases that I've had, as well as um, the of course Ali Johnston. I mean, what, what am I talking about here? Uh, yeah, Frank Thomas, Ali Johnston's The Illusion of Life, Disney Animation, the classic, which I believe was released in 1981. This is great, but this is for real animation nerds. Because there, there's a lot of history, and there's a lot of firsthand, obviously they were there, anecdotes about things that went on in the studio, and gives you a lot of you know insight into how Walt thought and how the movies were made. And, you know, the personalities of various uh, animators and people who are very important in the studio at the time. And then gets really just into, into the sort of how-to. And, uh, you know, it's almost a, like a manual on how to uh, animate and create and produce a, you know, classic old-school ink-and-paint, hand-drawn, cell-animated feature. Um, and even though, obviously, that's no longer done. <laughs> Even if it, you see hand-drawn stuff, it's usually done on something like Toon Boom or whatever. Uh, you know, it's all done on a Wacom tablet into into a piece of software. But uh, it's still a lot of the principles still apply, and a lot of the steps are still there. And even though some of the tools have changed, um, it's still a really really cool book. And like I said, it might be a little too uh, a little too uh, what do you call it? Inside baseball. A little too nuts and bolts, maybe for some people who who just you know are into the movies as as entertainment and art, and not necessarily into all the the technical ins and outs. Um, there's enough anecdotal stuff in there about uh, you know just the the personalities of the people who made it and sort of the inspiration behind a lot of these things that I think it's I think it's worth having in in your library. It's worth having in everyone's library, and it's very cool because in the the corners, the upper corner of each page, 
for each chapter, uh, they have a different character doing like a, it's a little flip book. You can flip right through it and you see them anim animating and uh, moving along there. And uh, yeah, I think if you if you are a fan of animation and any in, in any way a student of animation, I think you uh, you got to have that. The Art of Animation, The Illusion of Life, Disney Animation by Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston. Um, now, I keep pulling away from the mic because I'm, I'm literally grabbing these books here. <laughs> the three, there, there's so many biographies written by Walt. Many of them uh, are just regurgitated. You know, a lot of them, I think, were just written to make a cheap buck. You know, um, but some of them might focus on a specific thing, but a lot of them are... are are just regurgitating things you can hear anywhere else. And then there's that that Hollywood dark prince piece of garbage hit job that um, I think has been rightly mostly forgotten about. But the one that everyone recommends is, you know, the, an American original Walt Disney by Bob Thomas, who this is the one that was approved by the Disney family, was originally re released, uh, written in like... 1970, it was after he died, I think the, the first version of it was, I think, 1975. Again, I have it in my hands, so I can just look it up, but I'm, try, I'm trying not to do, not to pull away from the mic so much. Um, copyright 1976, and then 1994, it was, um, they, they came out with an updated version. Um, really good. It's about, uh, how many pages here? It is uh, about 350 pages. Yeah, 360. Not a very long read. Um, this is the official one. This is the one that uh, all Disney fans will tell you is the one that you should have on your shelf, the one you should be reading. If there's any problem with it, is that it, it is 360 pages to tell the what life of Walt Disney is not nearly enough. Um, and... Also because it is, you know, Bob Thomas who had worked with Walt himself um, to, to, you know, create some books during Walt's life and who, you know, this is approved by the family. He was the official family biographer. So it's not, um, it's, I don't want to say hagiographic. It's not, it's not a hagiography necessarily, but it definitely leans more towards a positive portrayal. Not that it doesn't, you know, uh, talk about Walt's sort of a uh, peccadillos and whatever, but it's definitely, you know, it's like, it's hard to, it's so hard to get any sort of unbiased sort of objective take on the man. Everyone's got a take and everyone comes and he's such, he's not a polarizing figure, but it's, you know, there is a, a tendency to either, you know, put him up as a saint or to try to tear him down and make him a villain. And the two big biographies I have right here, neither really does that, but the Bob Thomas, Walt Disney, the American original definitely leans more towards sainthood. Um, and it's, like I said, it's also 360, 360 pages. So it's not as in depth, but it, um, but it certainly obviously, uh, is jam packed with information. And if all you're looking for is like an overview, uh, but a pretty thorough overview of Walt's life, I would, uh, you know, I'd certainly recommend it. Um, but the, uh, this is one of three books that I think you read all three of them, and I think you you sort of get the most comp as complete. I think the three of them together work as a sort of complete biography. Um, 
Each one sort of covers the other's blind spots, and each one uh, looks at it from a slightly different angle. Like, uh, like again, the Bob Thomas thing, I know there was something where he, you know, in the original printing, uh, he didn't print that Walt's uh, daughter, Sharon, was uh, the second daughter, was adopted because that was not a thing the parents wanted her or the public to know about. It was a different, you know, different world back then. So I think in the reprint they mentioned that. But there's, um, like, you know, oh, and there's a current book out now uh, about the Disney strike by, that I've mentioned in the last episode by Jake L. Friedman that I'm going to download and read, and I want to get him on. And I've, I've heard a couple interviews with him on some of the aforementioned podcasts. Uh, and it, quite, it sounds quite good. And it's really sort of a um, almost a biography of both Walt and one of his lead animators uh, on you know Snow White and, and Pinocchio and one of the main driving forces behind Goofy as a character. Art Babbitt, who is one of the great animators of all time, uh, went on to be one of I believe the founding members of UPA, the United um, and the Mister you know the, the UPA, that sort of great uh, mid-century modern cartoon studio that gave us uh, Mister Magoo and Gerald uh, McBoing Boing and all sorts of cool stuff like that. Um, but you know, he was also kind of the man behind the strike. And uh, he and Walt butted heads, and Walt, I don't think, ever really forgave him. And I think it took Art years and years to forgive Walt. And uh, we'll go more into that on a future episode, hopefully, when we have if when we have Jake on. But um, there are a couple of uh, anecdotes in this in the Bob Thomas biography where I know they're talking about Art Babbitt. And they don't mention his name. <laughs> Such was the animosity between the two men that in the 1975 Disney family approved Walt Disney biography, uh, Art Babbitt's name is not mentioned. You can go to the index. You can look at Art Babbitt. Nope. One of the most important animators <laughs> in the Disney studio doesn't show up. So that to me is definitely one of the downsides of that and then of course in uh, 2006 Walt Disney the triumph of the American imagination by Neil Gabler was written and I know a lot of people have uh, some problems with this uh, you know a lot of Disney fans people who like me are biased in favor of Walt and love Walt uh, feel it's a little negative t- towards him I don't think it is that much I think it's pretty fair ha- uh, fair pretty even handed um it's a, it's a much, I think it's twice the size of the uh, Bob Thomas one. Let's see. We're going to go through all the footnotes here. The notes, notes, newts, newts, appendix. Um, 633 pages. Um, if, I, if I have any um, main complaint with this book, again, I think it's, I think it's in the, the, this the Bob Thomas one and the, and the book I'm about to mention after this, I think are essential reads if you want like a complete Disney biography. Um, and this really does, you know, get into the whole life and it takes you from, you know, um, Walt's family or initially, uh, uh, you know, great grandparents or grandparents moving here from Ireland and settling in Canada uh, before giving birth to his father um, and right up till, till his death. And, you know, at obviously 630 something pages, it's pretty, pretty in depth. Um, my, my main issue is, uh, you know, Neil Gabler's written about Hollywood before. Um, he doesn't seem to know a whole lot about animation. Does he didn't seem to be terribly, uh, educated about it before he wrote this book. Um, and 
there's also a lot of armchair psycholo- uh, psychologizing in here. Like, and I hate this is, and this is a thing you see with a lot of biopics, right? Where it's like some tragic event in in the main character's life happens, or some very formative event, and though this is why they were, why they did what they did for the rest of their life, or something, you know, where it's like. You know, Johnny Cash's brother died, his parents, and this is why he was what he was. But then, but then he beat drugs because he found the love of a woman. When it's like, yeah, okay, but there's also more, there's always more complicated than that, right? Um, and so the main theme behind this book is obviously, you know, Walt sort of uh, sort of rebelling or not wanting to be his father. And then ultimately just wanting control. He wanted to be in control of everything. You see, this is a recurring theme. And of, of course, there can't be anything other than just the joy of discovery or creating. Um, but how much Walt wanted to just create a world and create something that he could control. Which, and listen, I said this early in the podcast. I want a world of my own. I think it is a thing. I think you could say that about most artists. Most, even, and even in filmmaking, you know, and animation especially, are collaborative mediums. Uh, where, you know, it's, but there's always still, you know, especially in the, you know, a lot of auteur cinema, you have, there's always one guy up top and this is, and they want their, they have their vision. You know, if you're an artist, if you're a creator, you have your vision and you want, you know, you, you want that thing to, to be created. And some, some people are more collaborative than others, but I think the idea of, uh, Artists wanting control of their work or wanting to create something new that, um, you know, they can have for their own to make sense of the world or whatever. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's terribly unique to Walt is my point. Um, you know, wanting to sort of create their own little worlds. Uh, I think that's, that's a lot of us, you know? Um, so using it as the sole motivating factor uh, behind almost everything he did, um, I think is very uh, re- reductive, and also it's just—I mean, how do you? How, it's it's very presumptuous, you know. Uh, it it's it's a theory that the author seems to come to on his own, and then hammers over and over and over again throughout the book. Um, and then the last line, like I really—it's—it's—it's it's, it's really it's kind of gross, and I don't use that adjective to discuss things unless we're talking about like blood or snot or something i don't use it to discuss people's behavior but um i think it's a uh here here's the final i'm i I don't think i'm there's any spoilers here you know at the at the end of every walt disney biography uh he dies so spoiler alert um so this is the final paragraph of the book and and this real and you know, the funny thing is you can kind of read you read through the whole thing you're like all right there's a lot of cool stuff in here and he even like he he comes down and the, you know there's the, the a lot of the rumors about you know the 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 scurrilous rumors about Walt being an anti semite or a racist or a misogynist and he pretty much you know he it, it, Neil Gabler who's not writing a hagiography and you know is fairly critical of, of Walt. Um, and doesn't always depict him in the best light. He comes down and, and basically says that's all bunk. That's all BS. Um, so again, I think if, if no matter how much you love Walt and Disney, I still think it's a book worth reading. Uh, but but this 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 part here, I just think is kind of I don't know how his publisher allowed him. It left to to write this. It left such a sour taste in my mouth. Um, but again, this is the overriding theme that all Walt wanted was, was to control every aspect of the world around him. 
had this perfect life that was all in Walt's, that Walt's fingers. Um, so it reads, A plain rectangular bronze plaque now adorns the white brick wall of the mausoleum that encloses a small garden to mark the burial place of his ashes. It bears only the name Walter Elias Disney. It was here, guarded by a hedge of orange olivias and red azaleas, and hidden behind a holly tree and behind a white statue of Hans Christian Andersen's Little Mermaid, gazing contemplatively, gazing contemplatively at, at invisible water, that Walt Disney seemed to have fulfilled his family's destiny. He had escaped, and it was here that he fulfilled his own destiny too, for which he had striven so mightily and restlessly all his life. He had passed beyond the afflictions of this world. Walt Disney had at last attained perfection. Really? Like, that's the happy ending. Like, the best thing that happened to Walt was he died. Come on, man! That's... That annoys me. Thoroughly annoys... I, I think I just... So that's my complaint with that book. <laughs> Otherwise, I do recommend you read it. I recommend you read both Walt Disney, The Triumph of the American Imagination by Neil Gabler and uh, Walt Disney, the American Original by Bob Thomas, even though they both have their faults. Uh, and neither... And, and any Disney biography is going to be far from complete. But... The other thing I don't like about the uh, Disney... Uh, the Neil Gabler book is that it, like... It, it, it talks about Pinocchio and uh, Sleeping Beauty, and it kind of it, it breezes through both, especially Sleeping Beauty. It kind of breezes right past both of them. And because neither of them made their money back upon initial release, especially initial U.S. release, because Pinocchio really couldn't do much overseas during the war, um, and regards them both as failures. Like just because, oh yeah, well that was, you know, whatever, and they didn't, and this is why, and this is, Walt didn't like this, and blah, blah, blah. And, and even though they're both, in my estimation, right, they're my two favorite of the Disney features, uh, and widely recognized as just masterpieces and exemplars of the form, um, even if they don't necessarily have sort of the, uh, the warmth and the comedy and the audience of appeal of, say, like a Snow White or a Cinderella, um, I think, they, you know, by and large, they are beloved classics and widely considered masterpieces of hand-drawn animation. Um, but because they didn't make money the first time out, yeah, you know, whatever. No biggie. Nothing to, nothing to look at here. Let's just move right along. Not even, barely even talk about them. Um, yeah, they basically, he, he talks about, like, Pinocchio, like, the whole thing was a disaster, which is kind of amazing um this last book too kind of treats both those books that way and it's something that i, I bought the ebook for and uh read during uh when i when i was uh sequestered in that hotel uh with covid after i read inventing disneyland um i uh it's it's the, the animated man by michael barrier uh, a Life of Walt Disney. And uh, Michael Barrier, is, he's an animation historian. He knows his stuff. Really knows his stuff. Uh, he wrote Hollywood cartoons, American animation in its golden age. Um, he is, used to run an animation uh, magazine, I believe. He is... Uh, uh, well, let's, let's, you can go to his uh, michaelbarrier.com to learn more about him. But he knows... He knows a lot about animation. Um, comics and stuff like that. He, yeah, I think he's, he's like anybody who's really, really into a thing. It's highly opinionated, uh, very protective 
of the things he loves and very can be dismissive of the things he doesn't um, like, you know, like a lot of, like a lot of fans and nerds and, and, and people, you know, people are enthusiastic hobbyists or whatever into a very much into a thing can be. We see this all the time. It's, it's called Twitter. You know, <laughs> like look at the comment section on any, on anything on online and you see this. Um, so it's interesting because, um, it seems that he wrote this book. Now I could be wrong and I'd love to get him on, uh, get him on here. Now, and, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use two words to describe him that, that might seem like I'm insulting him, but I'm not really, because there are two words that can often be applied to me, right? But because I mean them in the best way, where he is somebody who is very opinionated, and this is something you used to get in journalism and writing a lot, with these, these guys who had very strong opinions and weren't afraid of voicing them and weren't afraid of def- uh, defending them, but he can, be, he can be a little bit of a, 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 a crank and a little bit of a curmudgeon. I guess about like the things he likes and doesn't like, and again, I don't mean that to insult him. Uh, I I am very curmudgeonly myself. I mean, half the reason um, I'm doing this and not talking about all them newfangled uh, things is because I because I'd much rather uh, be talking about Walt and uh, and you know uh, defending the thing that I love. So um, the, he seems to have decided. To, to write this book um, in response to the Neil Gabler one, which he read, and because he has this near encyclopedic knowledge of the history of animation, uh, saw there was a lot of errors, a lot of errors in uh, Gabler's book. Most of them had to do with times and dates and, you know, when, if something happened before this thing or after this thing, uh, you know, where, where they occurred in a timeline of a production, things like that. Uh, more just really more clerical stuff than anything else. Something only somebody really super uh, into and, and obsessed with animation and or Disney uh, would really uh, care about too much. I think you can, um, if you're not somebody who's, you know, super, super into it, you, you can still read Gabler's book. And I, I don't think those errors will affect your overall reading experience uh what you get out of walt's life but barrier has an extensive list on his website of um what you can see and uh of of the of the mistakes the various mistakes and errors that are in gabler's book and i think and it's, and it's worth it's worth checking out and it's worth looking at um but he's definitely uh he's the guy who likes you know he likes the old the old cartoons you know, the, the 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 felix the cat uh, Fleischer stuff, and he's he's definitely more of a fan. I think of a lot of the um, certain animators, and even the animators who worked for Walt more than he's a fan of Walt himself. He doesn't seem to actually like Walt that much, and the way, and even in the introduction to this book, like it, he almost comes right out and says like like he didn't really want to write it, <laughs> but because uh, he had already written this book on. Um, because he had already written this book on animation history and had all this stuff, and uh, let me let me read the piece. So most of it, he basically felt like I should write it because I I, I kind of know all this already, and I want to correct and I want to correct the record, and I probably have more interviews with some of these guys who worked with Walt and more knowledge about a lot of this stuff than other people. So let me write this book, and that seems to be the 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 reason he did it. Um, where, so where, 
Yeah, he writes, most Disney biographies have portrayed either a man who fell short of perfection only in a few venial ways, he smoked way too much and used a great deal of profanity, or one who was personally odious, anti-Semitism being the sin of choice, and the products of whose labors are a stain on American culture. And uh, yes, yeah, so we were just talking about those types of books. I have found few signs of either Disney in my own research into his life, which began in 1969 with my first trip to California and interviews with Ward Kimball, one of his best animators, and Carl, Carl Stalling, the first composer for his sound cartoons. Disney was, in my reckoning, a stunted but fascinating artist and a generally admirable but less interesting entrepreneur. The trick, I think, is to wind those strands of his life together, along with a few strands from his private life, in a way that yields something close to to the whole man, and that is what I have tried to do in this book. Um, he also says, I have concentrated my attention on his work, his animated films in particular, because that is where I have found his life story most compelling. So it's definitely, it definitely does uh, concentrate more on that. Um, says, the Disneyland Park was and remains an entrepreneurial marvel, but it was much more a product of its time than Disney films, and its impact on American culture for good or ill has been exaggerated. I would take great issue with that statement um i think there's a lot about walt's life that has been usually influential on various parts of uh of our culture and um so it's an interesting book like i said because he doesn't actually seem to be terribly interested in or even like very much uh the man he's writing about <laughs> now i might be wrong i might be wrong about that maybe it's just me maybe it's my own bias my own love for walt that I i'm being protective of him here you know and i would love to i really want to have michael on to talk to him because he's a, he's a super you know intelligent and educated guy when it comes to animation and knows uh more than i or you or anyone else listening to this probably with maybe a few exceptions unless like you know jb kaufman or john kane maker listening in which case hi guys Hope to have you on sometime. Um, but that book, as it as I as it lays out in the beginning, is uh, you know by a, a very very uh, experienced animated histor animation historian who ha did a lot of interviews with the guys who were there, and um, really brings a lot of uh, in depth knowledge to um, you know the making of the cartoons itself. And the animation, and I think, as far as uh, you know, the animation production, the film producer side of Walt goes, fills in a lot of the gaps, um, and sort of you know, ties up some loose ends that you know maybe may exist in the Thomas and Gabler biographies. Um, so, while I think none of them are perfect, and I think if you if you are someone who loves and is protective of of Walt. Uh, you might get a little annoyed at the Gabler or uh, Barrier um, biographies. And if you're someone who's critical of Walt, you might get annoyed at the Bob Thomas uh, biography. I think the three of them taken together are, are very much, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, right? And especially if you're a paid subscriber. And by the way, before you go and run out and buy any of these books, uh, $5 a month over at the craigmahoney.substack.com or $50 a year. That's a, that's a bargain, kids. Um, I, I recommend if you're the type of person who's going to listen to a podcast like this every week, you read all three of those books. I think you'll you think you'll definitely find something to appreciate in each of them. Uh, you, you might find, if, depending on how again what what perspective you're coming from or how critical a, a reader you are, you might find something that annoys you in each of them. But but listen, that's uh, that's life. <laughs> I would like to see someone do a um, like really, really try to give the man his, his due, and like Edmund Morris did the three-volume Theodore Roosevelt um, 
biography. Was it Theodore Rex and uh, Colonel Roosevelt? And uh, was it The Rise of Theodore? I have all three of them. I've read them. They're great. Um, I'd like to see someone. Or who's it? James Kaplan did uh, the two Sinatra biographies. I think there's The Voice and The Chairman, that are both also great. And they're both like seven, eight hundred pages each. I think that is the sort of treatment that Walt deserves. And someone, you know, should combine these three books as well as, you know, some of the other books I've mentioned and all the others that are out there um, to, tr- to try to give a more complete overview of his life. Um, and and that, that I, I, I am not the person <laughs> to do that, but I, I would love to see someone do that one day. Maybe Edmund Morris himself, although he wrote an, Ed- an Edison book recently and I borrowed it from my father. And um, it's weird because it's written backwards. I don't know why. Like, not backwards, like the sentences are backwards. Not like, you know, he's Zatanna casting a spell. Um, but, like, it's the first chapter is like the end of his life. And then the second chapter is like that period just before that period of his life. And it's it's interesting, but it's a little, it's a little weird. Um, <laughs> but I would love to see, like I said, like, like some sort of like three-volume... You know, seven, eight hundred page, two or three volume biography of Walt, uh, really sort of taking in the full measure and uh, hopefully not coming to it with too much baggage one way or the other, uh, whether, you know, it's a love or a dislike of the man or, or a sort of, you know, um, skeptical eye. Uh, I, that, that's something I hope we get to see uh, some, some point in my time. And I'm sure. I'm sure there is a worthy author out there who can write such a book. Um, uh, we're already going on an hour here. I hope I hope this has been interesting. I hope it's been enjoyable. I you know I think I got away from the uh, just listing things and started. I I started getting a little bit more into it. I hope you did. Uh, <laughs> I still want to get into the Disney Plus thing. I think that'll be the next episode. I know I keep saying that. Um, there are some cool. Uh, Instagram accounts you should follow. Um, I will list some of those in the show notes. I'll put, I'll, you know, maybe I'll just do a Substack post about that. So become either a free or a paid subscriber to the Substack, and you'll see that. Or follow me on Instagram at In Walt's Time, and you know you'll be alerted to when new episodes come up, and also see uh, some of my new Disney art uh, that I post there as well. Uh, of course, you'll also get that if you subscribe to the Substack, which you should do. And also check the show notes and the links. Um, you can go to my store, my big cartel gallery store, and get some uh, original art and prints. Or uh, go to my Tee Public shop and get some clothing and merch, Disney and uh, otherwise. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's where we're going to leave this this week. Uh, like I said, we're we're back now. The Yankees Yankees are done, but your old pal Craigers is just getting started. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, like I said, I'm excited to fully be immersed in the wonderful world of Craig Mahoney. Um, do I talk too fast? I might talk too fast. I get excited. I'm bipolar. I get a little manic. Um, <laughs> the subset, what were we talking about? The wonderful world? Yes. So Yankee season's over. Uh, now Craig season can begin. So expect new episodes every Wednesday and we're going to do some premium episodes here and there but um, yeah next week I'll go over Disney Plus uh, if you, from a you know Disney history uh, learning you know learning about Walt 
education sort of uh, perspective and um, the pros and cons and what they have and the many things they don't have over there. That's what we'll do next week. In the meantime, I am going to, uh, now that this is all officially up and running, I'm going to be promoting the hell out of it. Uh, also, please, please check out over my Substack my little Halloween story, The Great Trick or Treat Sneak, um, which I think you'll enjoy. It's a nice Halloween treat. A uh, little story I wrote about a monster who uh, decides that instead of uh, going out and terrorizing children with his monster parents, one Halloween decides to go trick-or-treating, and everyone thinks he's wearing an adorable monster costume. And he has, uh, well, you'll just have to read it or listen and uh, find out what happens in the great trick-or-treat sneak. So, yeah, uh, lots, lots, lots of cool stuff. So I'm going to come back next week, and it'll be another solo episode. I apologize. And then after that, we're going to start bringing in some guests here. And I hope we're going to get some good ones. Like I said, the, the aforementioned Jake L. Friedman. Uh, he's got that new book you should check out about the Disney strike. Um, I want to get Jim Corcus on. I want to get the guys behind Connecting with Walt and um, and the, the Disney History Institute guys, Dave Bossart, the Skull Rock Podcast guys, um, and some the authors that I've mentioned already. I'd love to get J.B. Kaufman on here. We got a wish list. I think it's going to be cool. Um so I hope you like it, and I hope you come back, and uh, I hope you have a great, big, beautiful week. <laughs>